You look at their schedule, worst case scenario, I'm thinking 11-1. Worst case scenario, but 12-0 is certainly a very, very real possibility. Hello and welcome to the Friday, August 19th edition of Always College Football. We appreciate you being with us from wherever it is you're getting the content, whether that's on ESPN's YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps the show, but only rate if you're going to give five stars. So we really appreciate you being with us. I'm Greg McElroy. With me, as always, is Mark Kubiak. We have a great game plan in store for you today as the Big Ten has officially announced a landmark decision to align with CBS, Fox, and NBC. We'll talk about that, and we're going to give you the Alabama breakdown. Today is Crimson Tide Day, so you're going to get an extensive preview, position-by-position breakdown of what the Crimson Tide are going to look like here in 2022. So without much further ado, let's talk about it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. The number one team in the AP poll this year the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's do a deep dive. Can we? Let's do it. All right. Let's talk about where it starts. We all know about what this team has done. We all know about the history. We all know what Saban's done since he got there in 2007. It seems like this year could be one of, if not their best teams on paper going into the season. Now, Alabama is always going to be held to a different standard. People get mad at me all the time. Look, I'm a Bama guy. I went to Bama. All right. We know that. But what I think people need to acknowledge is that if you look at Alabama, you are not going to hold them to the standard of other teams. You're going to hold them to a completely different standard. So when we evaluate Alabama, we're always going to evaluate the positions based on when Alabama's been at their best. For instance, when you look at Alabama, you think about, okay, defensive line, right? That's a big Part of what's made Alabama great for a very long time is they've had elite defensive lines. Well, this year's group, defensive line-wise, I'm not talking about the edges. We'll get to that in a minute. 
maybe not as good as the 2015 or the 2016 team that had Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and all those incredible guys that could go too deep. Dalvin Tomlinson was a backup. The guy's a pro bowler. All right. So think about Alabama when we evaluate them compared to years past, not compared to normal teams or other teams compared to Alabama. All right. So let's get into it. At quarterback, I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback in college football. I, I think CJ Stroud is phenomenal at Ohio State. But what Bryce Young does, and how he makes everybody better, it cannot be overstated. He has great feel. He has great instincts. And what's most impressive about a young guy with athleticism, okay, because he can run. He can run, but he's not a runner. What I think's most impressive is that when young guys get thrust into the starting lineup, their first instinct is to rely on their athleticism as opposed to their intellect. Bryce Young is the exact opposite. You can tell with how he approaches the game, how he reacts to pressure, how he understands his flaws in protection. So, for instance, if there's an unblocked defender that's blitzing and he's got a hot route, he throws the hot route. Whereas young guys, remember, this is year two for Bryce Young. That was last year. This is year three coming up now. But he's only been out of high school for a couple years. And he has a great understanding of the game. He has a great understanding of the offense and his study is so apparent. Look, we know he can run. We know he's athletic. We know he can throw. We know he's accurate. We know he can push the ball down the field. We know we can do all those things, but it's his intellect and his instincts that I think separate him from every other quarterback in college football. Plus the fact that he did what he did in the SEC championship game. I think it was an all-time great performance. All-time great performance. Up there amongst the likes of the Vince Young against USC back in the 2005 National Championship. The SEC Championship game performance was an all-timer. Georgia made some mistakes that day, and Bryce Young made every single mistake count. He's ridiculous. At running back, Jameer Gibbs is probably the most electric running back they've had maybe since Kenyon Drake in that vicinity. But the thing about Jameer Gibbs is he not only is capable as a pass catcher, you could probably put him in the slot. He might be your best slot receiver. You can put him at running back and you can get downhill. You can get the short yardage. You can get the tough yards. And I was talking to Jeff Collins about this. I called Jameer Gibbs first two college football games a couple years ago. Well, first one was against USC. The second one was against UCF. We called the first two games of his career. Jeff Collins says, I'm telling you, this guy has Reggie Bush qualities. Now, he's not Reggie Bush, but he has Reggie Bush qualities. I go, dude, come on. There's no he's, This guy's not Reggie Bush. He's, a, he's his first college football game. And then you watch him. It's like, okay, I, I kind of see what you mean. Okay, so Jameer Gibbs is going to be a great addition to that offense, and he's backed up by some quality pieces. However, the running backs behind him are all coming off of injury. Jace McClellan hurt his knee last year. Roydell Williams hurt his knee last year. And then Trey Sanders a couple years ago hurt his hip in a car accident and hasn't quite gotten back to where he was prior to the car accident. So he's back probably closer to 100% than he's ever been. And that dude is a gamer. If he's at 100%. So the depth at running back is excellent. Headlined by Jameer Gibbs. The one question mark I have 
As far as the playmakers are concerned, is that wide receiver? Right now, there are a couple question marks. JoJo Earl is recently sidelined with a foot fracture. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. Hopefully, he returns at some point in mid-October. But that's a pretty significant loss because he's a short pass that can go the distance. He's got some Jalen Waddle qualities, but maybe not quite as polished as Jalen Waddle was probably two or three years into his career. JoJo Earl, hopefully he can get back. But the number one go-to guy more than likely is going to be the transfer from Georgia. That's Jermaine Burton. They're going to use him in a lot of different roles. Be curious, too, because I feel like he was a little bit underutilized at Georgia, but he's excellent with the option routes. Bama last year transitioned to a team that does more bunches, does more stacks. And Jermaine Burton has great feel for the position. He has a great feel for the option route. And I think he's going to fill the void from a year ago that was occupied by Slade Bolden. Slade Bolden caught a bunch of passes. Jermaine Burton is a more talented version of Slade Bolden. I do think he has top-end speed, too. So if he's isolated on the perimeter, I think he can get over the top and take the top off the defense. But if they need someone beyond Jermaine Burton to take the top off the defense, that's what Tyler Harrell's for. This guy can flat-out fly. He's from Louisville, and he... Uh, they want him to be Jamison Williams. I don't know if he is just yet, but then again, a year ago, if you were to ask me, what's J- Jamison Williams? I would have told you exactly what I'm telling you right now about Tyler Harrell. I know he can run. <laughs> Everything else, I don't know just yet, at least not at this point, but they're very optimistic, I think, about what he might be in this offense, filling a void that was important to them very much last year. Ja'Cory Brooks will also be in the mix. Christian Leary will be in the mix. Trayshawn Holden will be in the mix. This is a really solid receiver core, but I don't know at this point if they'll be as good as they've been in recent years. How could they be? They're a couple years removed from a wide receiver winning the Heisman Trophy, and at one point when they got in four wide receiver personnel, when they got in 10 personnel, four wide receivers, one running back on the field, They had five first-round picks. Five. One running back, four receivers on the field, all first-round picks. So they're not going to be that, at least not yet, but maybe some of those young guys can emerge, like I referenced, Holden, Brooks, Leary, Anderson, Jones-Bell. If one of those guys can take a step, maybe two of those guys can take a step, then this receiver core will be very deep and dangerous as well. At tight end, Cam Latu, I think, does a remarkably good job. Very, very good quality wide tight end, end of the line of scrimmage tight end. He'll also have Robbie Oots there as well. He'll be the H-back more than likely for this group. They don't have that crazy receiving threat that they once had at tight end, but Latu is very capable of contributing if the opportunity presents itself. The one Achilles heel on this offense as of right now is the offensive line. It was last year, in particular, the right side of the offensive line. At center, they should be just fine. It's likely going to be McLaughlin, Seth McLaughlin. Very, very good player. The guards are both back, but I think at this point, whether it's Echior or Cohen, they might be in a bit of a rotation. And I wouldn't be shocked if at some point during the season, those guards slide out to tackle or they just try to figure out the best five to put on the field at any one given time. They have Tyler Steen, who's a transfer from Vanderbilt. He's likely going to be in the mix. I don't know if it's going to be the right side or the left side, but he will likely be a starter. And then J.C. Latham, who is a top-tier recruit with tons of promise, he'll likely fill the void at the other tackle spot. Like I said, left or right, I'm not sure at this point. 
They know exactly the order that it's going to be. But the offense should be excellent. A couple question marks, but it should be excellent. On the defensive side of the football, you know that you really have to start. If I'm playing against Alabama, it starts with Will Anderson. You have to find an answer for Will Anderson. And I remember if I'm sitting in an offensive meeting room and there's a glass eater coming off the edge, I remember every single time, whether it be uh, you know Brian Schottenheimer or or uh, you know uh, Jake Gruden, like having played for all these guys, biggest thing that kept them up at night was a crazy edge presence. Well, Will Anderson is that, and he can completely take over the game. I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback in college football. I think Will Anderson's the best player in college football. It's a good starting point there at the end of the line of scrimmage. Hopefully he can up his tackle for loss number from last year is 17 and a half sacks. I wouldn't be shocked if he flirted with 20. We'll see. The guy is absolutely unbelievable. On the other side, this is where it gets a little bit interesting because Dallas Turner has started to emerge down the stretch last year as a very capable edge presence himself. Now, he'll be overshadowed naturally by Will Anderson. Everyone would be. You put him on the San Francisco 49ers, he might overshadow some of the guys on the 49ers, and that's a good pass rushing group. So Will Anderson's unbelievable. Dallas Turner, though, on the other side, now balances out the pressure and should be able to get home from that side as well. In the middle of the defense, this is where I think this group needs to take a considerable step. DJ Dale's been in and out of the lineup, but has some promise and has played for quite a while. Byron Young has a chance, I think, this year to take a step forward as well because of that edge presence on the outside. And then you think about a guy named Jamil Burroughs. This is a guy that they're very excited about. And maybe here in his junior year, the light has gone on and he becomes a difference maker that he was always poised to become. Solid in the middle, maybe not to the standard that you would expect on some of the best Alabama teams. Off-the-ball linebacker is also a position of strength. Henry To'o To'o's back after transferring in last year from Tennessee. He was steady there in the middle of the defense. The other linebacker last year, Christian Harris, had his fair share of ups and downs. To'o To'o was very, very steady. And I'm great with that at off-the-ball inside linebacker. The other off-the-ball inside linebacker is going to be one of two guys. It's going to be Jalen Moody, and the other guy is Deontay Lawson, who is very, very talented and might in time actually get beyond Moody as far as the amount of snaps that he's getting. In the back end, the safeties are very good. Brian Branch will be excellent alongside Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams. Those three at safety, very solid. Branch will slide down to play nickel and play star every once in a while. But for the most part, the safeties are very good. The biggest concern I have, maybe on the entire team beyond the offensive line, is at corner. Kule McKinstry is a highly regarded prospect. He will likely lock down one side. The other side, competition right now. Kyrie Jackson, who's a JUCO transfer, has great length, but has had some bouts of inconsistency. He's battling with Eli Ricks. He's a transfer from LSU, and the problem with Eli Ricks is he has not been able to stay healthy. When he's out there, he's pretty good. But when he's not, obviously, best best ability is availability, and he has not always been available. So that's the rundown as far as the Crimson Tide are concerned. This is an elite roster. I don't have to tell you that. The way that they've recruited, I don't need to tell you about that, and I don't need to walk you through what happens when Nick Saban suffers the pain of disappointment. Usually they come back the next year better than they were. 
However, this year's team feels not just like a ridiculously talented roster, but they feel like a team on a mission. And if you look at them right now versus the rest of the SEC West, it feels like there's a sizable gap between them and whoever finishes number two. A lot of people think it's Texas A&M. A lot of people think it might be LSU. A lot of people think it might be Arkansas. Any of those three, I think, are acceptable answers. You can even make a case for Mississippi State, given what they bring back on both sides of the ball. But either way, the gap that exists between Alabama and everybody else in the West feels considerable. Now, are there games that they could lose? Absolutely. There's always games that can be lost. But for the most part, if Alabama goes out there and plays their game, for instance, you go out there, you get Alabama's A game, you're probably not going to win that one. (laughs) Probably not going to win that one. Let's go through the schedule. The toughest games on the schedule for Alabama at Texas, even though Texas, as we've documented the last couple weeks, Texas has dealt with a fair share of injuries over the course of fall camp. That is concerning, but it's week two. Some young players that will be going on the road for the first time in a featured role. It might be a difficult spot. I'd be surprised if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have a great plan to make that a four-quarter game. Remember, the 2019 LSU team, right? That was one of the best teams in my lifetime. Sure, it's probably one of the best teams in your lifetime. They dominated everybody. You know who they didn't dominate? Texas. That game was close up until the very end, and Joe Burrow made an amazing throw to Jefferson, who took it to the house that broke that game open. So that was a four-quarter game against a solid Texas team, but that LSU team was super elite. That will be a difficult road trip for Alabama there in week two. Week five against Arkansas. That'll be on the road. That is October 1st. Arkansas played them very well last year. I think this catches Arkansas at a pretty decent time. Arkansas at that point will have been battle-tested. They would have had AM. They would have had South Carolina. Arkansas, of course, has Cincinnati week one. So they'll be battle-tested and they'll be prepared, plus hosting the Tide. If K.J. Jefferson can play out of his mind, that could be a tricky game. We all know that AM game will break that one down extensively from time to time. It could be one of the biggest build-up games on the calendar in college football this year, given the offseason that both programs have had. The road trip to Tennessee, I think October, by the way, in case you're catching my drift, October for Alabama, that's the month to be concerned about. You go to Arkansas on the 1st. You have AM at your place on the 8th. You go to Tennessee, who I think has a lot of explosiveness offensively. And what did I just tell you? The corners, to me, at this point, are a little bit of a question mark. Talented, but a little bit of a question mark. Well, we know Tennessee is going to try to push the ball downfield. They scored a bunch of points against Alabama last year. And if you look at that game last year, it was really a whole lot closer than the final score may indicate because Tennessee made some self-inflicted mistakes late that allowed Alabama to completely pull away. Mississippi State, I don't like the matchup. I think Mississippi State's going to struggle against Alabama because they don't help their tackles and We know Alabama has unbelievable edge presence with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. At LSU, to me, is the toughest game on the schedule. Now, right now, there are so many question marks about LSU, but we know they have talent. We know Brian Kelly's a heck of a coach. We know that's a difficult road trip. You follow that up by going to Ole Miss, who Lane Kiffin's played pretty well against Alabama at times. However, it was not super competitive last year. I don't know if it's going to be super competitive this year, too, because I don't think Ole Miss is going to be as good as they were a year ago. You finish up with Austin P, and then, of course, the Iron Bowl. That's in Tuscaloosa this year. So you look at their schedule. 
Worst case scenario, I'm thinking 11 to 1. Worst case scenario, but 12 and 0 is certainly a very, very real possibility given the fact that Vegas has already announced their way too early lines and Alabama is a double digit favorite in every single game. Right? They have a real chance to go and get it done. Of course, their biggest challenges might be in the SEC championship game, assuming they get there, but I'm going to make that assumption against Georgia. And then in the playoff, if they catch an Ohio State, I think Ohio State matches up pretty well against Alabama. That would be a heavyweight slugfest. So the Crimson Tide in at number one for good reason, as you can see. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. There is news and notes that we need to get to. The biggest news of the day is that the Big Ten has completed a new seven-year media rights agreement with NBC, CBS, and Fox. It's going to bring in $7 billion, with a B, billion dollars. We'll give just about every school between 80 and $100 million annually. I think this is great for college football. Now, I'm... Look, I work at ESPN, all right? I've called Big Ten games. I've covered the Big Ten. I love the league, always have. I love the pageantry. I love the tradition. I love the energy in the stadium. I love the venues. I love the matchups. I love the rivalries. Everything about the Big Ten is awesome. But here's why this, I think, is great for college football. We now have another network that is going to be covering the sport. ESPN is going to cover college football day and night from 9 a.m. in the morning when game day kicks off until 2 in the evening when Matt Berry, Jesse Palmer, and Joey Galloway are doing the final show. Okay, We know Fox has made a tremendous commitment to college football in the last handful of years, really more so the last seven or eight years. It feels like Fox has really gone all in on college football. They have the big noon kickoff. They have obviously the the, the pregame show for that with, with Brady Quinn and and Reggie and Matt and those guys, they do an awesome job. Love that show as well. They they are covering it from 10 a.m. until midnight, 1 a.m., depending on what time the West Coast game kicks off and how long it goes. So I think we know Fox and ESPN are going to serve the sport. CBS has long had that 3.30 game, but now here in 2023, they're going to have two games, potentially a little bit less uh, in the years to come, because the 3:30 SEC game will inevitably end up in 2024 with ABC and ESPN. So CBS, though, now has pivoted and has taken the Big Ten. They'll be covering the sport 
for a five-hour window on one of the biggest networks in our country. And then finally, NBC. Yes, for a long time, you watch NBC broadcast. It was all about Notre Dame. And Notre Dame fans loved that. It was great. But if you were a fan of college football, you weren't getting a bigger picture. Now, with NBC's recent financial commitment to the Big Ten, you got to think they're going to serve the sport even more. And if NBC is serving the sport and CBS is serving the sport and Fox and ESPN continue to serve the sport, what does that mean? It means more college football coverage for people that might not have ever watched college football before. So I'm thrilled that more networks are involved and I'm happy for the Big Ten schools obviously bringing in that significant paycheck. What does it mean for the rest of the landscape? I don't know. They say they might expand further. We'll keep you posted if anything happens in that regard. Okay, I give it to you every day. AP poll takeaway of the day. We have a few more of these, so don't worry. We're not going to run out just yet. The lowest ranked team to ever make the college football playoff. Well, last year, Michigan, guess what? They were unranked. I guess technically they would be the lowest ranked team to ever make the college football playoff. But Oklahoma in 2015, they were 19th. Georgia in 2017, they were 15th. And then Washington in 2016 was 14th. So if you're sitting there in the 20s or even if you're unranked, your chances of the playoff are still very much a real thing. Thanks for being with us today. Really, really great show. Always fun talking about some of the top teams. So hitting Alabama, don't worry, we're going to hit Ohio State. We're going to hit Georgia. We're going to hit Clemson. We're going to hit all those teams, but we're also going to talk about the teams that don't get talked about enough, which is what we've done for the last handful of shows. We really, really appreciate it. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever it is you're getting the content, whether it's on ESPN's YouTube channel, if you're on Apple Podcast, or if you're on Spotify. If you like, rate, and subscribe, it really helps us out. It really helps out the show. Hit us up in the comments. Hit us up on our email, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. Social media, Instagram and Twitter, always CFB. For all of us here at Always College Football, he's Mark Kubiak. I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. And remember, it's Always College Football.